returning to 1 Peter this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. And in this passage, we are described as being built up as a spiritual house. A spiritual house. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. What does it mean to be a spiritual house? Let's stand for the reading of God's Word from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 12. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We were already exhorted this morning briefly by Pastor McNeely to remember that we are not simply souls, but that we are embodied souls. Souls that have been put into a body and made one being, right? And we see this, the importance of this laid out before us as we are told that we are to be living stones. That we, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So there is this element of the spirituality that everybody likes to talk about today, uh, and there is this element of the physical that everybody likes to um, 
pretend like doesn't matter today, right? But the moment that you talk about each of us being stones, being living stones, being built up, what we see is that what we do physically is connected to that spiritual reality. What you do physically can't be separated from that spiritual reality of being a part of a spiritual house. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can see this. Um, And one of the ways is that as you think of a house, you think of stones making up the, the house. You kids, you've seen a stone house before, right? We don't have a lot of stone houses around anymore, do we? Mostly they, they were built a long time ago. Okay, but a stone house, the walls are made of stone. Now you can think of, you can think of bricks. We see a lot more brick houses and they're pretty similar. Stone upon stone, brick upon brick, laid out just so, right? You can't just pile a bunch of stones into a pile and have a house. If you dump a bunch of bricks in one spot, they might all be together, but they're not going to be a nice house, right? As a matter of fact, if a brick house collapses, you still have a pile of bricks. Okay, so we are to be united, but we are to be united not just in a hodgepodge pile as Christians, right? but we are to be united into something that is orderly. We are to be united into something that has a purpose, where each stone is serving a purpose. This spiritual house is what is being built. And as with a house, so in this spiritual house, there is a cornerstone. Now, cornerstone is very important when you're building a house or any building. If you get the cornerstone wrong, the whole house is going to be wrong. Okay? Now, when I was in ninth grade, I got a job working for a construction company, cleaning up after they had finished framing in houses. So it was my job to, like, sweep the floors, and I watered the grass, that sort of thing. And one of the things that happened while I was working there is that the foundation of a house was poured, it's called the footer, or the foundation, and the house, the foundation, the footer, it was poured wrong. That's that's a problem, right? Obviously, if it's wrong, you want to make it right. So how do you fix the the foundation, the, the, the footer being poured wrong. You know what you do? Any of you kids have a guess? Yeah, Liam. That's right. Nailed it. You jackhammer it. 
You break it all. You remove it all, and you start over again. That's what happens when you get the cornerstone wrong. That's what happens when you get the footer, the foundation wrong. This is why the fact that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the choice stone laid in Zion, okay, is such a beautiful thing because if you thought of this church being the cornerstone, this particular body, and you looked around and you saw everybody and you thought, ah, you would be right to think, ah, I don't know that I would want this to be the cornerstone. There's an awful lot of sinners in here. But Jesus is the choice cornerstone, the perfect foundation. So it is what comes first. The cornerstone has to be set first. Now, do you know what would happen, kids, if you tried to build a house without pouring the foundation? I saw pictures of a house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't know whether they had poured it without a foundation, or I mean, built the house on uh, a bad foundation, or what exactly had happened. But this house was in the middle of renovation, and somebody had given up and put it on the market. And there was good reason to have given up. Because the basement floor, even in a picture that was, you know, on a tiny little screen on my phone like this, you could see light coming in the, one of the windows and the shadow of the crack in the floor that was about like that, just a jagged crack all the way across the basement concrete floor. Right? You think, I don't know that I would want to live in that house because it doesn't have a good foundation and you can't you you have to you have to get the foundation in first you can't put the foundation underneath and get everything leveled out afterwards i wouldn't be at all surprised if the only thing that could be done for that house is that it has to be torn down and a good foundation laid and then rebuilt cornerstone is set first. And everything else is aligned by the cornerstone. So the cornerstone goes in. This goes back to this goes back to when you're actually making buildings out of stone as opposed to pouring a footer. Um, but everything has to be aligned According to that cornerstone, you spend a lot of time choosing your cornerstone and you spend a lot of time making sure that it is set exactly how you want it. Because whatever the angle is for that corner, that's the angle that the whole building will go in. You can't start building a wall out from the cornerstone, right? And then realize that you were off by two degrees. You wanted your house facing, I don't know, this is due south? Probably. Feels like it. All right, you want your house facing due south, parallel with 
the road, right? And you find that accidentally it's, it's like this, off by a couple of degrees. It's like, ah, what's wrong with that house? It's, it's crooked. Why is it crooked? Well, because they laid the cornerstone just slightly crooked, and so now that's just the angle that the walls have to go from both sides of that cornerstone. The only thing that can be done to fix it is pull out all the rest of those stones, change the angle of the cornerstone, get the cornerstone right, and then when you build your wall out straight from that cornerstone, oh, now it's straight. There's no changing the angle of the wall once the cornerstone is laid. So what this means is that the cornerstone defines where the building will be, exactly what angle it will face, right? Which direction it's going to be, which direction the walls are going to be. It also determines how much weight it's going to be able to bear, which means how tall the building is going to be is determined by the cornerstone, right? So you've got everything about this house coming at the very, very beginning is determined by the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone of the building that is being built, this spiritual house. Everything is aligned by it, and everything is connected to it. If you build a detached garage, do you know what it is not? It is not part of the house. Right? Everything that is part of the house is connected to the cornerstone. So the moment that you take a brick and you detach it from the cornerstone, you put it somewhere else, you don't have the same house anymore. You're building something else. Now kids, can you see what this means? Adults, can you see what this means for us having Jesus Christ as the cornerstone? If we are to be united all together into one spiritual house with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, it means that each of us as stones set into this house made bricks to, to be perfectly aligned in this beautiful wall that is being built in his beautiful house. Okay? Each of us has to be aligned according to the cornerstone. What does it mean to be aligned according to the cornerstone for us? It means that our lives are to match his life. And this is why I said at the very beginning, there is a physical reality to what is being described in this spiritual house. Jesus came to earth and he took the form 
of man. He had a body, and what he did with that body mattered. It was not a super spiritual, mystical, uh, Gnostic idea that somehow the body didn't matter. No, it was so central. The body mattered so much that his body had to die on a cross. He had to live a holy and perfect life. And that meant with his body. Because that's the life that he was living. And you've been given a life. You've been given a body. What you do with your body matters. But of course, it's not just physical. Everything that we do is physical and spiritual. Just as everything that we do has uh, emotions connected with it, right? Even if the emotion connected with it is, uh, I don't care about this, you can see it on your face. Whether you care about this or not, right? So everything that we do has a spiritual reality behind it. You have motives for the things that you do. You have thoughts that alternately condemn and pardon you based on what you're doing, right? So there's no separating the physical from the spiritual as we think of ourselves as being stones in this spiritual house. The most obvious way that we see that is if Jesus Christ is building a house, you have to be physically united with it. If you're going to be one of the stones, you can't separate yourself from the church of Jesus Christ, that house that's being built. You can't be off on your own or you're not part of the house. It's one thing to say, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good, you must have one. That is to be in unity with him. But you're not set by yourself on the cornerstone. Right? The cornerstone is set for the whole house. And so the walls are being built up. And so the people of God are set one on top of another, brick on brick, being built up. And that is how we are connected to the cornerstone, is through one another. Now we are to be the stones. We are living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house. But we are also a priesthood. 
a holy priesthood. Now, what do priests do? Kids, when you think of a priest, what do you think of a priest doing? Got any ideas? You think of the Old Testament priests? What did the priests do? Toning for the sins of the people, yeah, do they make the sacrifices, and that's how they atone for the sins of the people, right? This is what the priests do. They sacrifice. Priests sacrifice. Now, here we are this morning, and we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, right? But I'm not called a priest. Why am I not called a priest? Yeah. Because Jesus died once. Once for all. And so this is, this is not a sacrifice, right? We are not re-sacrificing Jesus Christ, which is the difference between having priests than having pastors. So when we think of this meal and we think, oh, we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we do not say, oh, we are having the sacrifice of Jesus Christ here this morning. So if we're not having the sacrifice of Jesus Christ here this morning, then why are we called a holy or a royal priesthood? That's the obvious question that comes out of this text, right? <clears throat> priests do what? What was, the, what was the one thing that priests do? They sacrifice. Priests sacrifice. Now, what exactly are we to sacrifice? We see it here in verse 5. Being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Here we are. We are a spiritual house and a priesthood, and we are offering spiritual sacrifices. So what exactly are we sacrificing? Well, the first thing that we are sacrificing is ourselves. We are giving up ourselves to Jesus Christ to be used by him in his house. Now, you couldn't ask for a better thing to be used for. God's house. You go back to the Old Testament, you think about the temple of Solomon, right? Which was the closest thing that they had to God's house at that time. Solomon's temple was going to be built. And what did they all do in preparation? What did David do in preparation? What did Solomon do? What did all the people do in preparation of building that house? Do you know? What did they have to do? Kids? 
to build that big temple, what did it take? A lot of... What? A lot of work. Yes, it did. But before they started the work, they had to do something. What did they have to do? Yeah. They had to collect men to do it, but before they collected the men to do it, what did they collect? Stones and, yeah, bricks and, yeah, trees and, yeah, gold, lots and lots of gold. He was the one who read my mind, right? Well, all of these things, they were all right. They all needed to be collected. But my point that I was driving towards is, what did they want to build? Did they want to build a tiny little shack for God? They wanted to build a glorious, beautiful temple for God, covered in gold with beautiful decorations, beautiful hangings, purple, gold. It was a gorgeous Gorgeous building. And why did they bother making such a gorgeous building? Why did they give so much money and then give so much of their time to building this glorious building? Because it was God's house. You couldn't give to something better. I mean, it's one thing to offer a talent of gold to King David to help him build a nice house for himself. And you say, yeah, yeah, I helped, I helped David build, build that palace for himself to live in. And you get David's thanks for it, don't you? It's another thing entirely to give a talent of gold for the building of the temple of God. Far more beautiful, far more glorious far more worthy of an object for you to give towards, right? And so if we think of ourselves as stones, and we think, I'm going to be used for something. What do you want to be used for? There's a lot of stones. Stones are everywhere, right? Have any of you ever picked stones in a field? Raise your hand if you've picked stones in a field. We've got some people who've done that here. I've done that. Okay, is that fun work? Do you want the stones to be lying in the middle of the field? Why don't you want the stones to be lying in the middle of the field? Yeah. Yeah, because if you're running, you might trip on them. Nailed it. So what do you do? You move it, right? You also don't want stones in the field because you, you don't want it to wreck your farm equipment. I know someone who is driving a tractor, preparing a field, and uh, you know, you've got discs that break up the ground and uh, lost three or four of the discs to stones and to not being a skillful driver, knowing what they were doing, but you know, this is, this is a problem. Stones, you hit stones with the equipment and it breaks. And it prevents you from being able to grow 
food in the field. So now think about, on the one hand, sort of the worst possible thing you could be is a stone that is in the way in a field that's just causing people to trip or break their equipment or stopping food from growing. That's one thing that stones do. And on the other hand, at the far opposite end of the spectrum, you could be used as part of the wall of God's house that he's building. Now, which one do you want to be? You want to be used as part of his house, don't you? Could you ask for a, for a more glorious use for your life than to be sacrificed in that way, to be set in place and to serve the purpose that God has made for you in his church? That is our spiritual sacrifice. We also offer the spiritual service of worship. Now, now coming to church is sacrifice, isn't it? When you think of the Old Testament and you think of people sacrificing lambs, you probably are so far removed from the idea of having lambs or farming in general that it never even occurs to you what the cost is. A lamb represents all of the future income of that animal, right? You have invested in that. You have, you have fed the mother. You have done the work of breeding. You have done the work of caring. You've done the work of delivering. And now you have a lamb, and what do you do? You feed that lamb until it's about to be productive, and then you sacrifice it. Now, how does that compare to us being offering spiritual sacrifices? What is this spiritual sacrifice? What is this act of worship? Well, it is giving up of ourselves, but it is also the fact that this takes time, energy, work, when you could be doing something else, right? Sometimes it's a lot easier to feel the cost to us of our sacrifices than it is to recognize that God's people have always been called to count the costs and then to give them up to God. And that you go all the way back to the Old Testament and you look at Cain and Abel and you see that central to their arguments and fighting with one another and to the pleasure or displeasure that God had with them was the sacrifice. What are you offering to God? You say, well, 
I'm here. I guess I'm, I'm sacrificing myself. I'm giving of my time. Are you really? Being here is not enough for this to be a spiritual service of worship. There are sadly many churches that have gathered together, even today, that are not pleasing to God because they are not offering a spiritual service of worship to Him. Their worship of God is not acceptable to Him. Think of the number of times in the Old Testament that you have people who die because their worship is not acceptable to God. Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire before the Lord and God struck them down. Their worship, their sacrifice was not acceptable to him. As a matter of fact, none of your sacrifices, none of your worship is acceptable to him unless it comes through Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ that our worship and that our sacrifices are made acceptable to him. When we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, it is always, as the last words of verse 5 say, through Jesus Christ. So any that gather in in the name of not Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how much they give. It doesn't matter how devout they are. It doesn't matter how sincere they are in their beliefs, if they are not worshiping in the name of Jesus Christ, they are not acceptable to God. We must be connected to that cornerstone or we're not being made into the right house. So why are you here? Are you offering a spiritual sacrifice to God? When you set up the chairs, are you offering a spiritual sacrifice to God that is acceptable in His sight? Are you serving through Jesus Christ? As I preach, as you care for your children, as you run the sound system, as you hold the doors, kids. You see, these things are acts of service. Are they spiritual sacrifices offered up to God, pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ? Here, once again, you see the physical and the spiritual have to be brought together and considered at once, don't they? they? It's not enough to have deep spiritual thoughts of how great it is to sacrifice for God and then never to open the door for people. Never to be willing to serve physically with your body to actually do something for God, right? It doesn't matter how deeply your thoughts are, you're not serving God. You're not making any acts of sacrifice. But on the other hand, it's not enough 
to simply say, well, I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to uh, serve and open the doors. And I'm going to uh, read my Bible. And I'm going to do all of these physical things with my body, but for it not to be in worship of God through Jesus Christ. They are to be spiritual sacrifices. So I hope that you all can see how every bit of our life is connected to whether we are being used for the building up of God's house, whether we're being used for something else. And on the other hand, that it's not evaluated simply on the thoughts of your heart, nor is it evaluated simply on your outward actions. A spiritual act of worship, service of worship, requires that body and soul through Jesus Christ be offered to God for him to use however he sees fit. Now, how does he see fit to use you? I'll give you an example because I was thinking about it this week in my life. When I was in ninth grade, somebody asked me if I was going to be a pastor. This was not an uncommon occurrence when I was growing up since I was a pastor's son that people would ask me, are you going to be a pastor when you grow up? And my answer in ninth grade was pretty well uh, nailed down. And it was not a chance. No way, no how, never. And yet, as you can see, I was wrong. Right? I was wrong. Now, why didn't I want to be a pastor? I didn't want to be a pastor because I didn't want to make that sacrifice. I didn't want to pay that price. I didn't want to be used by God in that way. I had other ways that I wanted to be used by God. I was happy to offer other sacrifices. Right? You see? But... He's the one building his house. We don't choose as stones where we go in the house. He chooses where we go in the house. And so, he said, I know you said anywhere but there, but kind of like that song, please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. God said, but you're going to go right there. And so that's the sacrifice that I was called to make. And I'm delighted to be used by God in that precise way that he has seen fit to use me. Are you willing for your life to be used by God, your whole life, your whole body and spirit to be used up in service to his church.
to his bride, to being part of the wall. You couldn't ask for a better sacrifice. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for building your house so that we are not left alone lying all over the field. Thank you that we are not dead stones, but that we are spiritually alive through Jesus Christ. May our worship, may our sacrifices, may the work that we do through you for your people be pleasing in your sight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.